I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. When I got hired just over a year ago to host this radio program, uh, part of what I was asked to bring to this show and to these few hours during the afternoons here in Utah uh, was some of the expertise and some of the experiences that I gained working as a congressional aide in Washington, D.C. for five years. And if I'm honest, I never thought that I never thought that an event or rather I never thought that some of my experience and observations uh, would be called upon as a result of events like the ones we saw take place on Wednesday. One one of the questions that I had immediately when knowing that and when watching and seeing the imagery of uh, the protesters storming the Capitol, making their way into the offices of legislators, I, I, I realized that by so doing, they had also gained access uh, really to the electronic infrastructure of the United States Congress. When I was a congressional aide, we would have periodic uh, instructions about how to marshal our behavior so as to, uh, you know, safeguard the uh, sensitive information that we dealt with. There are also those members of Congress, especially, uh, and certain staffers who deal with secret and top secret information. And there are certainly safeguards in place uh, to to handle that, but that doesn't prevent anyone from uh, you know in, f- forget about electronic. Uh, maybe you write a note down. Maybe you uh, jot down in some uh, briefing notes some information that is uh, sensitive or classified. And it was this week that. There were those that broke the windows, smashed the doors, climbed into the building, and gained uh, open access to all that information. One of the tips that we were given, one of the instructions we were given, rather, uh, had to do with flash drives. You get uh, given a flash drive, you don't plug that into your computer. You get uh, some sort of like off-the-grid, insulated, I forget the the nerd word for it, but uh, a computer that's not connected to the Internet, not connected to anything, uh, to, uh, you know, inspect the contents of any given flash drive. You don't just plug that into any USB port. And if that's the uh, level of scrutiny being placed on the security measures uh, when there's not a threat, uh, what does that mean? What does that mean once the doors are wide open and those uh, who could potentially have, uh, you know, malintent in their hearts and minds open access to that information? and to those devices that contain that information uh, to help me get a better sense of exactly of how ex- how exposed uh, the this network could be or these uh, electronic devices used in legislating at the federal level. I've invited to the program the Director of Technology Projects with Electronic Frontier Foundation, John Callis. Uh, John, sir, welcome to the program. How are you? 
I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm 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 well. Uh, I am grateful to you for your expertise. As I uh, read down your resume here, I don't think there's anyone uh, better positioned to explain to us exactly what is at stake here. Uh, you have a long list working with companies that everyone, I'm sure, would recognize. Uh, so let me ask you. As you have, over the past few days, seen images, in particular uh, the images of individuals making their way into uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi's office, right there uh, at her desk where her computer, the tower sits, uh, also with more recent reports that a laptop has taken. What are the, what are the first thoughts that you have in terms of uh, securing the information? Well, you know, it's like we're all looking at this with a good deal of of shock, horror, and everything else. And those who've spent time working in the Capitol, like you, have been particularly traumatized by the events. And I've heard lots of them talking about it. A number of years ago, before I did other things, I did work with the government and mostly with the executive branch, but I understand a bunch of that as well. And I know people who work there, um, friends of mine who work in the information security branch of the sergeant at arms and others. So, you know, it's, 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 it's shocking. And it's easy for us to look at what happened and either think that it's not as serious as it is, or go into the sort of movie plot scenarios that our brains naturally do. We think of, you know, oh my God, you know, what would happen if somebody did this? Or if, you know, I have heard if Russians put a computer on the network and so on. Is the, do you think the office of the sergeant at arms, do you think that they, or or rather, I'll I'll take a step back. I won't ask you to speculate about their capacity, but uh, is it possible after an invasion, we'll call it, of this sort and having access to the hardware to this degree, is it possible to conduct, say, a thorough enough sweep to to be confident, say, sometime uh, down the road that the system is then secure and that the computers can be used to uh, to record and transmit uh, sensitive, if not classified information? I think that it is, in fact, possible to do that. Um, the local staff there are extraordinarily competent. They also have at their disposal agencies whose job it is to manage cybersecurity and computers. For example, there's a group that's a branch of the GSA, Government Services Administration, called 18F. And they're called that because their headquarters are at 18th and F Street. Um, But they are some of the best cybersecurity people that I know. There's... An hour's drive away, the people at Fort Meade, who are not only our signals intelligence outward spying group, but they're also the group whose mandate is to secure the government networks themselves. And you can bet that a bunch of those did not get a lot of sleep last night. Yeah. Is it? uh... I mean, you know. Go ahead. they, They would be, you know, I also am quite confident that. A lot of executives in the companies who are associated with this are basically saying, 
how much do you need me to send you? We're speaking with John Callis, Director of Technology Projects at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, uh, talking specifically about the, uh, the the level of exposure of the electronic systems within the United States Congress. There were those who broke down the windows, who smashed the doors, and made their way right into the office uh, of members of Congress, specifically Speaker Pelosi, who has made it known that uh, a laptop was taken uh, from uh, from her office, has disappeared from from her office. What does that mean, and how will it be secured? Is uh, John, is this uh, a situation, do you think, where you know staffers are all going to need to swap out their cell phones and their tablets, or can the existing hardware be, be safeguarded with the help of, of the organizations and the minds that you've mentioned thus far? I, I think it's, it, it, it is somewhere between the two of them. I mean, you know, obviously... The cell phone that a staffer had in their pocket and has been on their person does not have to be replaced. Um, If it were me, I would look at everything that was on the network. I would look at all of the places where something could have been dropped. I would be going over everything with a fine-tooth comb. One of the advantages that they have in this sort of cleanup is, in fact, that there is no doubt of what happened. We all know what happened. We all saw the pictures of it. So nobody is going to be saying, but I have work to do. I need to da, 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 which is where the sorts of mistakes happen. Mm. We have the luxury in this that not only because it is, it, it is the time of January that it is, but there can be a complete stand down and go through everything. Sure. And the fine-tooth comb you make reference to, you're confident that such a fine-tooth comb exists to get us back on track? We have, working for the government, a number of the best cybersecurity people that exist on the planet. We also have private organizations. I I have friends who lead cybersecurity companies, and I am quite certain that they have been having calls with people, and they are either on the networks themselves or flying people there. This, you know, this is a thing where the resources of our country, which include not only the government, but the the private sector and others, there's no question that we all need to just fix this problem. John, thank you. John Callis, Director of Technology Projects at Electronic Frontier Foundation. Thank you so much for your insight here. Uh, and here's rooting for all those who are engaged in this important task right now of safeguarding uh, not only the facility of the U.S. Capitol itself, uh, but the all-important information that is used uh, in legislating for this great country. We're going to take a quick break right now. Some of the other news that has been overshadowed by the events of this week. Georgia, those two runoff elections have come to an end. We know the results. The two Democrats running have each emerged victorious. We'll speak with Scott Howell, good friend of the program, next up to see what that means for the United States Senate going forward into the into the Biden administration. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. 
I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.